Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave in the shed. Rupert with me is Chris in the office square. Hey, Chris, That's how are right. you doing today? Fantastic, really. I'm going to Atlanta in a month. Hotlanta. Yeah. Render ATL. Nice. It's going to be thousands of people there. Unbelievable that they're able to pull this off. Real testament to what they're building there. It's only the second year of it. I think really. So they, okay. I think they came out. Of, they just came out swinging. I, I, I feel like I've heard of it for many years, but that's Is that, maybe uh, I'm wrong about that. Am I? But I mean, maybe second year after the old lockdowns or oh, whatever. Maybe right. I think. Um, uh, I, maybe I. Okay. Well, ignore me on that point. The point is, it's coming up May 31st through June 2nd, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm keynoting the CSS cool. section of it. Pretty cool. nerve-wracking because that's a lot of people there, and it looks like they kind of, you know, it's a multi-track conference, and the tracks get smashed together at the end for the keynote, you know, that yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be me. And my talk is just, you know, if you've ever seen a Chris Coyer talk before, it's I'm not, uh, I'm not going broad in terms of like, let me tell you a story or some kind of generically relatable thing. Like, I'm talking about CSS, kids. <laughs> Let's get to it. Yeah, yeah, uh, really directly that. I mean, that's the that's what I was kind of asked to do. And a lot of the the speaker kind of uh, communication is like, go, don't go beginner. You know, these are technical people. Get get technical. Go go mediocre. Go advanced. Go deep. Go you know respect people's intelligence here. And uh, I'm down. Cool. So. What's the plan? You got a plan? Okay. Putting slides together. I'm calling the talk "Modern CSS in Real Life." You know, you'll only be able to see it. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil anything too much. You know, come to come to render or whatever. Check it out. But I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Um, okay. I I, 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 oh, I called it modern CSS in real life because I wanted to make sure that the things that I talk about, I'm using re- very real worldy reasons why I think it matters. Yeah. So less like oh, theoretical man, or whatever. You can put it. I saw this, like somebody put like a 3D fish on their website, you know, like that's okay, but that doesn't, maybe that's not yeah. real world. Maybe that's really sort of a certain kind of site or something. Yeah. I, I don't even know like where, where I'm drawing the line, but I just want to, there's things that I cut that I just didn't feel like that strongly about. There's even still, so I, I've got it down to five. I'll tell you what they are. And then we'll, so number one is I'm going to do a section on logical properties and layout. Okay. Um, just interesting points to be made there, I think. Two is container queries and units. I'm even mm-hmm. starting it with units because I feel like container units get less love. So you'll get it from me. Cascade layers, which is the one I feel, it's not a very long section, so I think it'll be okay. But it feels it feels like there's a couple of like very real worldy things I can slip in there, hence, hence kind of leaving it in there. But I feel like less strongly about it because I, I haven't used it all that much. Yeah, we kind of talked about it a few episodes ago. Yeah. It's just like, it's, I, I like it. I just have not migrated anything to it. And then even if I did something new, it wasn't my first, I just, I don't have the muscle memory to be like, ah, I'm doing something new, wrap it, you know, wrap it, right. uh, you know. But I think people should know about it, especially for Greenfield stuff, because I think I would do it for Greenfield, almost no question, um, yeah. because I, I see some of the advantage. I'll lay some of that out. Um, four is new colors, which I'm just so oh my gosh. excited about. 
not, you know, just the whole spectrum of new color stuff. And I will say uh, there was a JS party with where our, our old bud uh, Adam was on talking about all the new color stuff. And he does such a good job with it that I might have to steal some of his analogies and stuff that he uses because he's very eloquent in talking about it. And I hope to to bring some of that to the party. Yeah, well, I was surprised to learn, um, you know, we had... Um, Oh man, I'm blanking. Uh, the OKLCH, okay, uh, the, the Andre, yeah, Audrey, yeah, uh, Andre. had him on and and talked about like RGB only gets you like 33% of the visible color spectrum. Uh, yeah. And I just was like, what? what? Like, <laughs> you know, and then like sRGB, or it's not, sorry, that's sRGB, but like, um, but like, HDR or whatever we're calling P3 gets you up to like, uh, what, like, uh, 45% or something. And I just was like, yeah, wow. it adds another 20% or so. I think I, I yeah. think I heard. And, and then, then, like, and then rec 2020 adds another 20 or plus. I think it's like 75% of the visible color spectrum or something is represented. Yeah. As, Which as is like pretty good. It's, it's one of those things, you know, it reminds me, I remember when Apple started dropping displays, with a higher pixel density, and they they had some fancy name for it. What was it? Retina. 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 Yeah. They just they just pulled that out of the air, but it made you think of eyeballs, and they wanted you to think of eyeballs because they said this is basically about as dense of pixel density as you need. Right. I don't know if that'll turn out to be true, but the point was that your your human eye isn't going to get you know it doesn't need four x more than this because like it's already pretty indecipherable from reality. Right. That's what they wanted you to think anyway. Maybe that turns out to be true. I think that's probably going to turn out to be pretty close to true with Rec 2022 is that 75% is like close enough. Right. You know? Well, and the, uh, apparently like no monitor supports it, you know? Like, yeah. Like, right. So it's like, it's all theory. I guess that's like real world versus theory, right? But um, I, was at, I was in Brooklyn and I heard this talk and it was... Um, at a conference and I heard this talk and it was very uh, art school pretentious levels, you know, uh, I hate to be that guy. Oh, you uh, got you. No, but, but it was very art school, you know, and this guy was like, we made a six chromatic process and, you know, uh, because the trichromatic process is can only like get, it can't cover all the sRGB spectrum, you know. Like, mm -hmm. so I'm. We made this six color process to cover the whole entire, you know, whatever six chromatic process to cover the whole entire sRGB spectrum. You know, like we're printing colors and that have never been seen, and uh, and and then it was like. You know, and books are better. Obviously, physical artifacts are better. And I just, in the back of my head, we had just done this Andre episode, and I was like, "Well, actually, sRGB <laughs> doesn't quite cover all of it." So, computers have like a major advantage. Like, I, I actually like, as of like, browsers today can do twenty percent better than your brand new color. Pro anyway, I just was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I know well actually the speaker, but I, it was this this funny moment of like, now that I know about color, I'm kind of cursed, you know, kind of. Well, it's interesting. Was it that was it that normally printing is CMYK and that it has some like has some limitations to how much color you can replicate in that? Yeah, system. But what's weird yeah. is like, 
you know, even sRGB always struggled with like Pantone, you know, like, and so I feel like, you know, maybe it's just finishes is sort of the big difference or something that you get in print and and that you don't really get in like, you know, well, you know, but like, uh, but anyway, I just, it was, um, I, I, I just was like, it's very cool. You invented that process. However, sRGB is super out of date. My guy, that was, that was my big takeaway. Like, yeah, I don't know enough to, to know where they're going to get with that, but it might be like the process might unlock more potential than you think or something. Yeah. So you could just imagine like more instead of like whatever screen printing three colors, you're screen printing six passes or whatever, you know, like you're doing like a, yeah. 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 It's certainly more work. Um, There's a lot of six color presses though, which makes it interesting. In my print days, they, they did CMYK and then they, they would always have one for a Pantone, you know, like, cause it, unreplicatable and CMYK reliably. And then they always saved one roller for like a coating or something like a little shine, little shine or something. That's why there are so many six color presses. Is yeah. Kind of for like metallics and stuff. Right. Or mm-hmm. the, but there, it was, yeah, it was interesting too. Um, somebody was like, what, you know, like what version of Photoshop are you on? I don't know why, why this came up, but he was on like CS3 or something or like cloud or like the old, old, old version. Oh, cool. And I was just yeah, like, like, no, no cloud. I just stuff. was, it sent me for a mind bender just because I was like, what are we doing? Like, I don't know. I just designers update software. <laughs> Surely they do, but yeah, but color stuff is, this is an, actually an interesting thing to talk about. There are a lot of levels because I'm going to be presenting this on a, my talk on a, on a projector, right? Right. So that's probably so HD. There's a couple of levels there that are, yeah. Maybe 4K, but probably not HDR, right? Almost certainly not. You know, like yeah. even a pretty nice projector probably color wise is probably somewhat limited you know i had to for for front end masters they like made me download this whole color profiler thing to like mm. to like key tone or whatever tone and whatever the thing is like to like chroma key it, like the right values and stuff for their capture and their projector and all this stuff it was wild yeah so Okay, so it's, so I have the projector working against me a little bit if I was trying to show you one of these colors. But even then, like, let's say it was capable of it, it's still being, like, blasted across, you know, some dusty air or whatever. And, and then the lighting in the room is going to affect it and stuff. I imagine they're going to do a tremendously great job of it all, but it's not going to have the same pop as it would, like, a backlit OLED screen or whatever. You right. know, like, no way. Right into your but face. But not only right? that, I'm producing my talk in keynote i've always been a keynote fan i've always been a little <clears throat> weird about it because i was like shouldn't shouldn't this web guy use web software for it but i just freaking like keynote give me a break right right i just have some a lot of muscle memory for it i think magic move is fun yada yada keynote i don't think is hdr like i can't pick and not just keynote but I use Mac OS, right? So the what a lot of the native software like i'm thinking like pages and numbers and all that stuff they don't build their own color pickers in like Photoshop does. They know that color is so important to them that they build their own of that stuff. And I think Photoshop of today, I guess kind of to your point on like, why are you using CS3 or whatever, has HDR stuff in it. It might be a little buried, but you can click around and find some 
places you can at least like key in some values to to show off. We're, we're saying HDR colors, and I think that's a nice way to think of it, though, actually. Like, you know, we went from... I, yeah, I don't know if it's correct, but that's how I think of it, right? Like It is <laughs> kind of, and it, it evokes that period in technology where we had low, you know, standard definition screens, and then we got high definition screens. That's what's happening now with color. We have standard definition screens, and we're starting to get high definition colors, but a lot of technology has to hang out together in order to get that to work, and including the software. And in, in Apple's own software, they don't build their own color pickers. They just use the one from Mac OS, which makes sense, right? Because they built it once. Why not use it consistently across all their products? I think that's relatively smart. But if you open up that color picker, and I'm sure you can picture it, it's the same one that you would get on the web if you said input type equals color and you were using a Mac uh, you know, you, it just pops open the system level color picker. That color picker, a little bit of a love-hate relationship. I get what they're trying to do with it, which is like some people like picking colors in different ways. There's mm-hmm. a crayon mode, Dave. You pick I know which crayon, crayon you yeah. like. You know, a little cheesy, mode. but some people like it. Fine. I've been known to use crayon mode occasionally. And then they have, you know, a, kind of a traditional sRGB color wheel kind of thing with the with the brightness slider on the side that stuff is gonna get a shake up i think in the next couple years and if it doesn't i'll be disappointed because those ways that you choose colors it's not that's not the one true way Mm -hmm. i think there are better ways coming and notably what i'm trying to say in that color picker there is no way none at all to pick a hdr color Mm. nothing you can't even sample one with the color picker and go go pick a one that's being displayed, say in a browser. It'll just immediately downsample it to sRGB. So, like in my slide deck, I can't really show you the you know P three colors or Rec twenty twenty color. So not and even if I could there, then I'm still gonna lose it on the projector. You know, so because like, you may be able to put like an image in there, like a. Cause JPEG, yeah, maybe. Because we had talked to like Adam, and he was like, "Yeah, like we had to like update JPEG basically to support these colors. Like it has like." Yeah, I asked him about that because that's a good point, right? And it was based on something he said on that podcast too. It's like these days, if you take a picture with a camera, any camera really, your you know your phone camera, regardless if it's Mm -hmm. Android or whatever, cameras are got got so good on smartphones. Or certainly on a big fancy, you know, DSLR kind of thing, and take a picture of the sunset. That's going to be HDR. Like they're ahead of the game, right? Because they want that photo to look amazing. Then you look at it on your computer. Those HDR colors will remain intact if your monitor can handle it. So they cut. I think stuff like JPEG had to go first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the, so. In the chain. And then other stuff catches up to that. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's this whole, it's, it's, I mean, I guess it's always been true, but it, it's just this idea that color is fully relative is, is very wild. Uh, like <sighs> it, it's kind of melts my brain. Um, do you think we're going to head to a future where like, oh, your website's so standard deaf. It's terrible. <laughs> Like, I I kind of do. <laughs> really? You think yes. Like, oh my God, that website's standard deaf. <laughs> I had to go through an emotional journey on that because... Oh, you got standard co- deaf stuff? 
Uh, ben standard def. <laughs> well, what's interesting about it is that you okay lab. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've seen the models; they only go up. Like the the new colors that you were granted in P three and Rec twenty twenty are like more vibrant and mm-hmm. more intense. Right? We didn't get extra stuff at the bottom. We didn't get the blackers purple. aren't blacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, if you don't need ultra vibrant colors, which I don't think every brand in the world does, then what? Then you don't gain a hell of a lot from this. True. But I do think there's there's going to start to be a feeling that, like, a, a previously pretty bright green, like, if you're trying to evoke a bright green, is, will, it just... The best sRGB can do is not going to feel very bright. It's going to start feeling dimmer than it did before. You're going to yeah. be like, "Oh, that's as good as you can do." There's you, sh- you should be able to crank it up a little bit, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if like you're just you know the little arrow in the Amazon logo. If you're going to be like, "That's so basic." Yeah, <laughs> that's it's so- like looking. You know, when a, when a website still has <laughs> still has a like a really pixelated favicon, you're like, "Ooh." Hey, no judgment zone to anyone. (laughs) Okay, everybody. (laughs) Maybe you just haven't figured out how to make a Favicon in a really long time, and you just don't want to put one. We used to use this, uh, what do you call it? Like a, you know, do you use tail scale? You know what they are? Um, It's a, a, what do you call it? Like a a VPN kind of product. Yeah, okay, yeah. uh, Like Nord or whatever. Yeah. we used to use an old one. God, what was it called? Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. But they often, when you're trying to use it at the, kind of the OS level, so it's just like everything's going through that, it, they often ship themselves as menu bar apps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that way you're just, you're just, your computer's just on the VPN. You know, it's not something you're doing on an individual connection basis. That it had a, it had the, a really, really nasty old bitmap icon in the header. And I was like, I would change to worse software just to not have that in my menu the, bar. The bad menu bar app. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Thank you, though. We're on TailScale now. Great product. Very cool. Huge valuation somehow. Works great. Thanks, TailScale. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, no, I think the this that the colors thing that the shocking part to me because we're kind of getting into that like Luro has a concept of tokens, right? Design tokens or uh-huh. styles we call them, but they're design tokens. But you know, and I think we made the decision to just render that color out in RGB, right? So hex, you know, or hashtag AABBCC. I think you're in the best possible place to do this then because you can do the old thing where you use the media query, the tests for browser level support of HDR colors and then rewrite your 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 design system tokens with HDR colors. Yeah, well and that's I mean it's interesting but like we're in a position but but we use Figma as the source and Figma doesn't have HDR yet. And they might not for a while because, like, Canvas, like, it, that stuff isn't in Canvas, to my knowledge. Like, like you can't write an OK LCH color into Canvas, you know? And so it, that all is really, that that world is interesting to me, you know? Like, are, are you, are we basically, does, 
They're just how do we upgrade every single piece of the web platform? That's my understanding. Yeah. I could be off of that, but like, you know, or if I copy paste, drag and drop a blob, an image on an HDR image onto a canvas and spit that out, you know, like, am I actually not getting the HDR, you know? So, anyway. yeah, right. There's a lot of moving pieces. And, and it, 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 as, as soon as one piece doesn't, Matt, it doesn't, you know, come along for the ride. It gets clipped. It's back down, you know. Yeah, it gets uh, nerfed. Yeah, but which the, is okay. That's a good model, I think. That's but actually, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, yeah, it's very good. It just is. Uh, I, I think you know, it's safe to say CSS has HDR colors and JPEGs have HDR colors, but and browsers now have HDR colors. They didn't always, you know, they couldn't always yeah, render it. And monitors have HDR colors, and just so happens that's the full stack for using it on the web. So, yeah, made it. We we made it. Yeah. So you need all those pieces, right? Those all those pieces need HDR. Think of all the color nerds who came before us. You know, like all these conversations happened at hardware manufacturers too. They're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. We're going to be able to show HDR colors on our monitors, you know, but nobody cared until, you know, until the technology that like that cameras could do it too so that there is actual content that can use the content on monitors, you know. I think the web is almost one of the last steps. Although I say that and I think OSs are kind of the last step actually. Yeah, they need to kind of make it happen too, right? So Yeah, they need to cuz I'm wondering what the conversation at Apple is like and at Microsoft for Windows. Like yeah. do they not have HDR colors in these native color pickers because they can be used wrong. Mm -hmm. Like not every monitor in the world supports these, not every web technology uses. So if they make it really easy to copy, say, okay lab colors, and it's in that spectrum, that all of a sudden they've provided a really easy way to get your hands on a color that renders as absolutely nothing on the web, even in their browser safari, you know, it, that clipping doesn't, doesn't happen like that on the web. If you mm -hmm. pass in some new color function that doesn't exist, you know, with numbers that doesn't work on a browser, you just get nothing. You get white. Mm -hmm. That's not good. So I wonder if that's an intentional choice for them to not put that there. Like they want to be the last mover, I think. Well, no, has this happened before where they're like MIT nerds in the like 80s who are like, before an image was even possible, they're just like, one day we're going to use more than 16 colors for an image. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, start, we're going to have 256 colors. It's going to be amazing. You know, like, and how are we going to do that? That's a lot of colors. That was my final question. And I think, I think there, there is a satisfying answer for it, but I'm like, why do we have to keep baby stepping now? Because the, you know, modern monitors are, you know, I, I think most of my professional life, it was always said millions of colors. Mm -hmm. But now we have transcended that. We're up to the bees. We're up to the billions of colors. So wh why continue to make color spaces that are a subset of all renderable colors? Like why? Like why not just go all the way, just to hundred percent? Yeah. And I don't. I don't. I don't. I feel like I. I've heard the answer a couple of times now, and I can't quite wrap my head around it but part of it is the, what the color model looks like there's there's spaces and models right mm -hmm. like you can have multiple models in a space so hsl which i spent a good amount of years telling people was a really good way to do colors yeah 
is still in the sRGB space. It's just modeled differently, famously modeled as a, um, like a, like a, not, not a cone, not a cone or a sphere. A like c- a cake? Like a, yeah, like a, like a cake. <laughs> what am I trying to think of? A, a cylinder. Yeah. Like a, it's like a rainbow cake almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like and a, that just has different properties for all sorts of stuff, like how gradients happen and all, all that kind of interesting thing. Well, and it's, it's, Interesting too. Like I think all this stuff started in the twenties. Like people kind of figured out, like, hey, we can kind of use math to describe colors, you know. And and um, I think it's a it's wild back then they were using math to describe colors. I mean, you know, when when you only had like, but it wasn't just math. That's the beauty of it, Dave. Is that it wasn't they didn't it wasn't just a nerd who said like I'm going to use the number eighty four to determine color and eighty three works and eighty two works. It was way cooler than that. Mm-hmm. They got actual human beings to sit and look at colors as like lights were being shifted and manipulated and like reporting what they were seeing lots of people and like averaged it all out. That's why some of these really cool color models are based on human perception. Yeah. So when you change the lightness value a little bit, it's not changing it mathematically. It's changing it based on an increment that humans can perceive. That's so cool. Yeah. That's literally the coolest thing ever. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. Yeah. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Front End Masters. There are so many courses on here, the highest possible quality courses, you know, almost focused on like you're maybe you're already a front end developer and you need to like learn a new technology or really level up. You definitely can be a beginner too. So, you know, think of that. But, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to this show are kind of in that intermediate zone. This is the place for leveling up and learning new technology. We got courses on here about Next.js with Scott Moss. We got, you know, Ben Hong on here, Brian Holt, Kent C. Dodds, you know, Sarah Drasner's on here. Nobody I'd trust more than Jen Kramer to teach intermediate HTML and CSS. Just amazing. The best of the best. And Dave. I got a web components (laughs) course up there. I don't know how I slipped in, but I did. And let me tell you, it's going to teach you web components. And uh, so, yeah, if you're interested in that, I think I feel like they're a hot topic this year. So people should go sign up and and watch it. Yeah, Dave, you're you're early to the game as usual. You know what's you know, it's going to be big. I I use my code smeller. And I smelled out the next big, big one, baby. Yeah, dude. Web components are not going anywhere and you might as well learn them now. Check it out at frontendmasters.com. Right. So the, so the model is if you go to the, you know, this is, we had the guest on Andrea again. If you go to OKLCH.com, knowing now what we've talked about on this show and like make sure that there's a little button that says show 3D, Mm. click that show 3D button and look at what that color model looks like for OKLCH. It's really weird. I've been playing a lot of Breath of the Wild, Dave. I'm fresh, my fresh run through it. It looks like some freaking mountains in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It looks like some weird mountain range of colors. Isn't that wild? Very yeah. interesting. Like, look at how look at how underrepresented yellow is. I think that's fascinating. The thing oh, I learned from Adam. There's very in the just world. very little yellow. There's not a lot of there's not a lot you can pick from there. We could get more but like purples too. and blues are like, ooh, yeah. And green is the tallest peak. 
That's so fascinating. And this is based on research and somebody deciding that this shape actually has lots of advantages for how color is represented. This wasn't just invented out of some out of thin air with math. This was invented very specifically for reasons in how color works. That's just so cool. And there's like a line in there too, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird to think like color is not three numbers, although that's how we do it, but, and it's not even X, Y, Z, but it is a point in like a 3d space of some kind. You right. Know? Like, right. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I wrote a dumb blog post a while ago. Just like, you know, we think of color as a spectrum, right? Roy G. Biv, right? That's like what we first learned, but, the actual, like, actual color is way more complex. It's like a 3D space. And yeah, at a minimum, it's 3D. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, R, G, and B would be 3D, right? Like, R, you have red. And yeah, and sRGB sucks because it's a cube, right? Like, that, that it's, it's too mathematical, which was the problem with it, which is why we didn't get stuff like universally consistent brightness mm-hmm. because it just, it was forced onto a cube. Yeah. Rather than forced onto a model that, matches human perception almost all of the color pickers like brown black you know it's just Mm. it's all just like very mud yeah it's just not the like vibrant like you hope for from like a brown or like a yellow or you know it's it's just like you know it's just like just not yeah fascinating there's so much so many interesting things and i'm sure i've said some wrong things here too so don't take me as like an expert here but it's fun to learn about you know Part of my journey kicked off with learning a a few years ago when there was a little bit of a tech cycle around what Eric Kennedy called the gray, the gray dead zone of gradients. Mm -hmm. And it was because in the, in like the RGB space that like hex codes use and stuff, if you went from say yellow to blue, you went right through gray land and you got this like bogus gradient and that there's so many different interesting ways to solve that, but like, okay, LCH and is one of them, even though I specifically from blue to yellow, I don't think is that great. You can even see if you still have the mountain range open that to go from blue to yellow in okay, LCH, you can't avoid green town. There's a big mountain of green in between those two spots in that 3d space. So mm-hmm. you're going to get some green in there that might be okay. You might like it. But it just so happens that the model for, for example, OK Lab doesn't mm. go through that green space. And in, in, in my opinion, produces a more pleasing and uh, reliable blue to yellow gradient. So it's one of those things where I wanted to, my brain so much wants to just say, OK, LCH is the winner. Everybody should use that. And I think that's largely true. But then I was playing with gradients where I'm like, oh, there's just not going to be a winner. God, so, that so hurts let me, my heart, but that's I OK. Know, doesn't it? Let me mouth blog something for you, though, really quick. Okay. So you say background colon and CSS, linear mm. gradient, right? Perfect. And Got then it. you say, I don't know, two bottom, comma, whatever, yellow, blue. So it makes a gradient from yellow to blue. It's going to do that in sRGB because those are named colors. They're just yep. in the whatever already. But you can tell that gradient now. This is one of the new syntax things. You can say like... In HSL, you can oh, say so like two bottom in HSL or yeah, LCH. Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. Wow. And it will then interpolate those two colors in a different color model. Whoa. Still RGB in this case because HSL is RGB, but it will use the HSL 
that cylindrical shape. There's a great, there's like a cool Adam blog post where he discovered that you can also tell it to like go the short way or the long way on the, on a color model. Yeah, I saw that too. I didn't know that keyword existed, but it's like... No, but you can go like too longer or something too. There's another way. So you could say, make a gradient from red to red in HSL and go the long way and you get a full ass rainbow of colors because it went the long way. I, I That's just really weird. No, I well, I think it's cool. I, I think it's good to have options. You know, I think it defaults to short, right? The shortest path, or the whatever, shortest path, you right? Can, you can yeah, tell it to what? go another way. But here, let me keep going for just a second. You can you can say in HSL, that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think HSL is that good for that color space. Is that good for interpolating gradients? You'll find it's pretty gnarly. So the trick then is, I think that's so little code. That you that people will actually do it, just saying in and then what space you want it to be in, because it's really easy and quick to experiment with, and the syntax is pretty straightforward. So if you have that gradient that goes from blue to yellow, type in like in sRGB. Well, it won't change because that's what it already is. But then type in lab, and just see what it does. Mm. Is it, do you like it? What it looks like in lab? You can type in OKLCH, and it will model it in OKLCH, and you can pretty quickly go through like the 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 generally good ones. Yeah. And in that particular grading, if you type in OK Lab, I think you'll, I think most people would agree with me that, like, from blue to yellow specifically, in OK Lab, that's a nice looking gradient. Okay. And almost every other color space flubs it to some degree. And some of them are like, what is pink doing in there? That's awful. You know, and that's why I mean, <laughs> you can't, like, OK LCH, I think is generally talked about as like, it does pretty much the best job on gradients. But not always. And in the case of blue to yellow, I, it's not. I, I think that the heavy green land that it goes through is not good. Do you think like specify in LCH and then coerce your gradients? Is that kind of the uh, maybe the yes? Okay I do LCH. think that because a big reason to use OKLCH okay is because you get access to that P3 color space and Rec 2020, so you won't have to change it. Like I would definitely say. Spec in OKLCH. Spec yeah. in OKLCH. Right. Coerce in whatever makes sense. That's what's, that's what, again, color is fully relative. Like it's mind bendy to, to think about that. You know, it's, it's just that like, Hey, guess what? Gradients, you have to, you have to figure out what color space you need to be an expert of color spaces now. <laughs> Surprise, new job description. Uh, and, and it's going to be different the way you do it, you know, like, I don't know. And then how are you going to do that in tailwind? You know, like, I don't know, <laughs> gradient, uh, G dash LCH dash red dash blue or, or, you know, I don't know, oh. but it's, uh, it's going to be on us to kind of know that stuff or have like opinions. So you really kind of have to like experiment. It's, it's yeah, a lot to do. think about. It's, it's so. early days too. I'm not trying to scare anybody. Like you can. You can make no, a product that people. makes your startup money with hex code still, I'm sh- quite sure. but I hope so. I'm depending on it. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was a lot of color talk. Didn't mean to totally hijack all that. but That was a lot of color. I, I think we have not unlocked new color yet. You know, I, I don't think, you know, it's very new. It's like February new, right? And so, like, I think, like, this whole idea that you can have, like, very cool colors is very... New tech, and you know, but it you know it's enticing, Dave, because it uh, you know I put a, a slide in here not to you know ruin all my talk, but this is way back a couple of years ago. The 
you know, the company everybody knows and loves. They make that play date game thing. They made yeah. Transmit and Coda Panic from yes, Portland, Oregon. They jumped on these high dynamic range colors early on and consider it. They, they publicly said, this is our, this is going to be our little secret weapon for making enticing design. They said that in 2019, back when, you know, Safari was just sneaking out, uh, you know, a little esoteric way to use P3 colors and they were able to do it really cleanly. You know, they just said, use the color if you can, but you know, otherwise just do all the normal fallbacks and the screenshots of their website for the play date was <laughs> beautifully, boldly yellow, you know, really like, wow, when it calls for it, it can be quite beautiful. Yeah. Wasn't, um, Hockenberry, didn't he write a, a, a book apart book? Um, yeah. Making sense of color management in mm. a book apart, little, one of the little shorties, um, I forget what they're called digest or something, but, um, he, I mean, he wrote that in, let me go December, 2016. So incredible. So I can put a link in the old show notes, but if you're interested in his take, but even back then though, it was kind of like, what, what stop trying to put math on me. <laughs> I feel like, it's like, Hey, I did come here for math. I, I came here for pretty websites and well, cool. Anything else on your talk there? Or are you, you, know? well, yeah, I feel like we've done shows on this stuff recently. And just in that we end up talking about this quite a bit, but again, logical properties and layout, I think it's pretty interesting stuff. I'm going to kind of make a point about if you use these things as they're kind of intended to be used, that it's true. It's, it's true in my mind that you get the translation stuff kind of for free and that, you know, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse on this a little bit, but it's not that it's your business requirements that the web pages that you make are translated. Like mm -hmm. you're probably not translating Luro into 10 languages just yet. Not yet. Not yet. But you don't really know as you start getting more customers, if other, if your customers are just translating it for you, because there's lots of technologies to do that. And, and there's all the proof of the world that the amount of traffic and usage that those tools get is super high. Mm -hmm. You you just don't know. And even though you don't offer an Arabic version of Luro, there might be somebody that just automatically translates you know, because that technology is so good. And that if you use logical properties, their experience is just going to be way better. That's relatively small, but significant, I think. And that there is a kind of a, you know, the word logical is, is pr prudent with them because it does make CSS more logical in some ways. You know, I just blogged yesterday, I think about how there's almost some mistakes in CSS, like, like overflow X all of a sudden we have one property in CSS that makes you think in the X, Y planes of math. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing that's like that X and Y <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah, Pretty yeah. weird, right? The resize property in CSS uses the word horizontal and vertical instead. They Good. don't say resize yeah. X and Y. Full chaos mode. Yes. Full let's chaos go. Yes. mode, right? So like yeah. one of the things that logical property does is rein that in a little bit. You can now say resize in line. You can now say overflow in line mm -hmm. in stuff. And I think that brings a little bit of nice logic to the party. But I'm not only talking about that. I just want to make that point and then move on kind of because I end up talking about grid layout and subgrid and, and little things, but it not, not like we don't sit around and be like, let's talk about the intricacies of subgrid. 
I just point out something real world that's like, look, this is better now. This real world thing in this relatable situation benefits from this new CS. Yeah. I just went through the thing. Like we still have things like whatever pad top, you know, small or whatever. And I went through and I made it logical properties. Right. So like, and so, so it's the class is still pad top small. I didn't want to take down the whole website, but the, like Mm. what it's doing is, logical property. So I kind of have this weird old world, new world situation, but, um, but the, the nice thing about it is like, you can think in your Western brain of how this is going to work. And then it's going to auto translate what it actually is, you know, like right sidebar is grid one FR 300 pixels, you know, like, so, but when I translate it or it goes to Arabic, well, guess what? Grid's smart enough to flip those the grid calls, you know. So, well, that, yeah, that's something to think about because you don't even have to tell Grid what to do. Grid's just gonna do it. Grid flex. Uh, yeah, you don't have it. to use logical properties in Flexbox. Yeah, that's that's another consideration. Is that like you don't have to ask? They are they are gonna flip the direction they're that they're being it. rendered in. Yeah. So like, pretty cool, you know. Like like that's like. The, my layout machine is kind of automatically adjusting the layout based on where, you know, who's reading it. And right. I don't have to code that. I have coded that before. We did that for Microsoft. We had this thing like, you know, uh, we had a variable, we had a SAS variable for direction and right equals right unless if LTR right equals right else <laughs> right equals left, you know? And it was just this full like, it was very clever, uh, and I think Tyson Matnish did a, a lot of that work. But like, it, it's fully clever, but it it was also like could, could just brought you mental anguish because you're like, what is what is actually going to spit out at this machine at the end of it, you know? And we had to spit out two SAS files, two spread, two files for right and left, you know. Mastodon has this problem in their their CSS. Oh, right now, actually, if you like inspect Mastodon, which I did because I'm a dork, but <laughs> like they have like a bunch of like they would be saving themselves a lot of pain, RTL, LTR pain, if they just did logical properties. Totally. But you do have to think though, because sometimes it's not always 100%. I'm thinking of your padding top thing. It's like you have to do a little mental math. You're like, do I really mean the direction of the flow of the document or do I really mean? the top of the the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I mean, you really mean the top, you know. Right, right. Sometimes you do mean the top, but you know, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, there's really not a lot of unless you're like in ancient Japanese, but there's not a lot of, you know, vertical languages, but um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that works. No, and, you know, yeah. I I really don't dwell on that in the thing. I don't know why. I mean, it's lack of experience and somebody to talk to about it mostly, but yeah, that right to left and right, to, you know, I, I don't know. By the t- when you actually switch the writing mode, I don't know. I don't, I'm still scared of that. Honestly. Well, <laughs> you know? well, I do. I, for me, it's like, I, I think we kind of need like regions and stuff at that point to really make that work. You know, I don't know. I'd have to like, cause like overflow, text overflow and stuff like that. Like I, I just, it, it's, how, how do you make vertical text flow down Paginate basically, you know, like, like, or is, are we just doing 
only horizontal scrolling, you know, I don't know, but Hey, that's a lot to think about, but yeah. 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 I, I do also tend to think like, is if it's, if it's content and layout, it should probably be logical if it's decorative, you know, which we, we already think in those terms in CSS, you know, because we, we, we have to make the call like, is this an IMG tag in HTML or a background image in CSS? One of them is content and one of them is decorative. You know, when you're making that same kind of call, it's I don't think it's one to one, but it's the same type of mental logic with whether I'm going to use logical properties or not. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm using a, I don't know, so I, a line at the top of the page that's so decorative that I'm putting it there with the property top, not the property inset block start, because I really do want it at the top, regardless of direction and stuff. Anyway, that's not perfectly articulated. My slides, though, are perfect. So Slides are perfect. Talk's going to be perfect. Well, (laughs) that's good. Maybe that's a good place to uh, stop with your perfect talk. So we can uh, wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's. That's pretty fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big preview for my talk. I hope to see some of you at Render ATL. Looks like a big one, and uh, I'd love to see you there. I, I really wanted to go, but our end of school uh, is just full chaos from here to, like, I'm barely hanging on. I'm, like, on oh, an office chair going down a hill in San think. Francisco. It's <laughs> <laughs> It just sucks. Anyway, but we're good. We're doing it. Uh, well, our school's funny, uh, you know, because our five-year-old goes to pre-K and they've uh, they turned in their final project, and now there's you know just a couple of weeks left, and it's just like uh, movie day. How about a field trip day? to the dump? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you guys like uh, let's walk to the nursing home. That I saw some kids doing that the other day, so, which is very sweet, but. Uh, all right. Well, cool. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast of choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter or Mastodon. Um, I'm sure that's linked up on the website somewhere. Yeah, we'll have to, get our, um, have to get a blue sky one of these days. Oh, head over <laughs> to blue sky, Mr. Blue Skies. Um, and then... Invites uh, are hard to come by. I know, I'm not on it. I'm not even that cool yet. So maybe one day. I have zero invites. And then... Uh, if, you, if you have a, like a standard deaf site, like, go fix it. It's ugly. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Chris. Oh, Joyce in the digital Discord popping off right now. Big, big, very good. All right, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> TapTalkShow.com. Semicolon. <laughs>